You are listening to the Alouette's Flight Deck, a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. All right, folks, we've been cleared for takeoff. And welcome to Alouette's Flight Deck Podcast, dedicated to Montreal Alouette's football. I am your host, Tim Capper. On the other side of the mic, and I think you're on the other side of the stadium. Hey, Cliffy, it's me. Look, look at me. I'm pointing at me. Look, look at me over here. Here, Cliff, Cliff. It's me. It's me, Cliff, Cliff. Hello. <laughs> How you doing? Oh, my goodness. Well, that first game... It's in the books. Yep. Uh, that first trip out to first only trip of the year out to BC. That's in the books. It's out of the way. <laughs> it's out of the way, absolutely. And listen, I've cast no aspersions, so this is how I expected it to go. Was you go out to BC, you play the Lions, you're gonna lose. And true to form, unfortunately that's what happened. Yeah. And we'll talk about that. And it's unfortunate, but well, it is what it is, but yeah, this this is the Montreal Alouettes. This is a, a new era, a new regime, however you want to paint it. But uh, some things are still pretty well evergreen, and I hate to say it, but I have a feeling that going out to BC Place every year and losing, that's not going away anytime soon. Yeah, uh, it, it just going out there and winning once every how many how many games every every fourteen games is that is that <laughs> what it is? Summarily, I think that's what it was. Just once every fourteen games, Ugh. I, I think, which is you know, it's not the most. But yes, as long as we can win everywhere else, but I think we're fine. Mm-hmm. I think we're fine. So, uh, yeah, game game was game was good. But overall, how was your your CFL week? Because I know both of us stayed up, and we're talking owls here. But we got to at least talk about that that crazy game in Winnipeg. How did you do that next morning? <laughs> <laughs> oh man, like that that was rough. I and I'm no stranger to lightning delays in in Winnipeg because yeah, a couple yeah. years ago I was at the the first uh the, the first game for the Alouettes in Winnipeg and sure enough, my first time in Investors Group Field watching a game there and yep, good old lightning just happens to roll on through and we weren't delayed nearly as long as what it was and we didn't have two lightning delays. Like holy cow, like I, the first time I I kind of chuckled the first time Thinking, okay, been there, done that, got the T-shirt. It was all good. Like I, I know how, how this story ends. But then they come out and they start getting pre- prepped up for the uh, the warm up and everything. I'm like, okay, this is familiar territory for me again. And then they start playing again, and they don't even get to halftime. And there's another delay. Like, holy yeah. smokes! Yeah. Like this is this is hilarious. Like I I feel for the people out on the east coast because like. You're, you're, you're going to be walking into work like a zombie because if you stayed up and watched the whole thing, like you are just going to be dragging to get through the day because, man, that was long. And God bless TSN and the radio crews and all these guys that try to provide coverage of the league for fans because to be able to fill all that dead space is – oh, it, man, my hat's off to these guys because to, to try to make it at least somewhat entertaining – 
it's got to be easier said than done. Yeah, for sure. I I was, I, I was, I was a touch tired, but you know, I, I had re- I had also reason to stay up. So <laughs> it's not that I had to stay up, but I sort of had reason to stay up. So, um, yeah, yeah. Um, let's let's talk about it. there is quite a bit to talk about for week one. A lot of things in, involved within the first game itself. Um, as as everybody knows, if you, if you happen to, to to watch the game itself, that the Alouettes did lose to the Lions twenty two to ten. It wasn't as bad, uh, I, I guess. As I think a lot of us may have thought that it was going to be. Um, I think there's just the problem is is that this kind of mirrored what Drew, how, you know how Drew Willie started off and and how he finished up sort of kind of mirrored the, the last preseason game, which mm-hmm. can be concerning quite a bit. But there are other things within this game itself where I think that there need to be some changes done or some modifications. But yeah, it was Coach Sherman's first game in the NFL. Uh, sorry, the CFL. Um, yeah, right, Tim. Uh, what's your What's your thought when it came to how he would how he did it, Coach? In particular, just not necessarily the outcome and what the team did, but for how Coach Sherman did in his very first CFL game. Well, like you said, it's the first game for him. Uh, first game for this whole coaching staff really. And that's one thing I kind of took away from is the first half overall, I was pleasantly surprised at just how well it was executed because there was a lot of concerns, especially with Drew Willie as quarterback. I've said it before and I'll say it again. What you see with Drew Willie is what you get. He is not going to get any better than what he is right now. I don't, I don't like using the term plateau, but I, again, I simply want to say that, he will not lose you games outright. He will keep you competitive, but he's not really the kind of person, the kind of quarterback that will step up and take over a game and dazzle you with a, a rocket arm or going deep or things like that. Now, mind you, he did do some of those things very well in the first half. Yeah. And I was pleasantly surprised at the game that Kahari Jones had called. And I'm pretty sure that was more Kahari Jones than Mike Sherman, naturally, because again, it's the first time for everybody. So, I was very pleased with the play selection. I was very surprised with uh, how Drew Willie was able to connect with the receivers and some of the plays that were drawn up because we didn't see a whole lot of this stuff in the preseason. And mind you, Drew Willie only played a little bit in that first game versus Ottawa and played the first half against Hamilton in the preseason. And we got to see glimpses of maybe what's to come. And I have to say that that first half of football was pretty decent, all things considered. The Alouettes were smart enough to rely on Terrell Sutton on the ground, uh, giving him many touches, and he made every effort to get the first down over and over again. And it, it's such a refreshing, refreshing look. And I, I couldn't help but be just a little bit excited as as to what could possibly come. Like if this was the, their strategy going into this game, I think, wow, that's that's phenomenal. So there was definitely a lot to like in that first half of football for sure. But as we said, as we saw overall, it's I mean, yes, it, it was only it, it was only a twelve point loss. I mean, and by the way, talking about Sherman, to be fair, going back, if you look at Mark Tressman, yes, he did win his very first game as a you know he's the best guy to 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 identify when it comes to for the Alouettes. You know, Tressman did win his first two games as an Alouettes head coach. Um, so you know, to take it for what it's worth, uh, it was a different team back then, uh-huh. but. Uh, you know, overall, I, I, again, it really, they started off the game well. It's just, again, uh, 
scoring was at a minimum. Um, I mean, 10 points in the first quarter and then nothing for the rest of the game, which is frustrating because I think, uh, I mean, BC went on, they scored what? It was 10-3. Was it 10-3 or 7-3? I'm trying to, I'm trying to check real quickly here what the score was. And then the, yeah, the, it was 10-7 and then BC scored the rest of the points of the game. Yeah. And yeah, you're not going to win football games, especially even with BC being in a bit of a, a transitional phase, a bit of a flux, if you will. Mm-hmm. You're not going to win football games just with 10 points, no matter how good your defense is. And Montreal's defense that first half and even going into the third quarter was phenomenal, to say the least. They played with purpose. You see guys like Hinoch Mwamba and Chris Aki just laying the wood out there, and they were all over the place. They were making Jonathan Jennings' life miserable, at least giving him pause for consideration. Like if he thought he was going to run rush out over the Alouettes because he thought they were garbage or whatever, I don't think he got that impression after the first couple of series because Montreal's defense definitely came to play. And as we've seen over the years, Montreal's defense has always been sort of the benchmark, if you will, for this football team because the offense really has been kind of lacking. But at least you could say, well, this defense is going to keep in the game. And for three quarters, the Alouettes defense did keep the team in the game. But at the same time, you've got to score points. You've got yeah. to score real points, yeah. not just hope for field goals and leave points on the on the board or hope for, you know, even a rouge or anything like that. Like, you know, you have to score honest to goodness touchdowns. And I really felt that after that first quarter where everything was clicking and even like a lot of the naysayers and the critics online were just like, Oh wait, maybe maybe we were wrong about the LOS. And I, I gotta admit that kind of felt good. And then as the game progressed, it came back to the whole, well, we're back to being a dumpster fire again, which is definitely disappointing and frustrating. But I mean again, when the team plays the way it does, like well, I I just don't understand how you can go from the, such a solid first half of football to being just absolute garbage yeah in the yeah. second half I, I guess there's just no other way to describe it like that fourth quarter for the alouettes it, everything just fell apart and uh, I, I wish i could point pinpoint to one particular instance and say oh yeah that's where everything fell apart like no it was just a number of things like they abandoned the run in the second half drew willie for whatever reason forgot or maybe remembered that he was drew willie and started playing like a typical backup quarterback making mistakes and just not paying attention to his reads and just looking extremely vulnerable, like looking like that deer in the headlights. And then everything just sort of just sort of snowballed from there, which is unfortunate, like I say, but uh, that's the way it goes. And there, uh, there were, there were many things in that game from the Drew Willie interception, which really sealed it. As he said, you're talking about about Sutton, uh, you know, about Boris Betty. I mean, there's, there's a lot to talk about, but I think one of the positives about this game, it ended, start, it ended up starting off quite quite good, Cliff, because you know Jennings started off ten for ten, Willie started off at six for six and six for six, so it's it started off positive. I mean, you look at the final stats, you'd think that maybe the Alouettes might have won, you know, because they out they out passed them two eighty one to one eighty three. I mean, they were out rushed by forty yards. Okay, they still outgained them uh, three thirty seven to two ninety eight. But the one big stat in that. Happens to be once again, and even though already Coach Sherman's talked about this in the pre in the preseason, Cliff, were penalties. Fourteen penalties for 125 yards, and this is the team. weren't they the most penalized team in the CFL last year? Huh. They're definitely up there, that's for sure. I mean, they, they 
held the ball, they held the ball longer. Uh, it's, yeah, I, I, you would think that they would have won. Um, Sutton itself, 15, 15 attempts, 65 yards. Uh, leading receiver for the Alouettes was Chris Williams. Uh, nine targets, six receptions, 98 yards. Um, Ejac, three receptions, 73. Uh, B.J. Cunningham, this is sort of a misleading stat. I mean, four receptions, six targets for, uh, for 41 yards, but that's not enough for, for Cunningham. Uh, Sutton all, is always within the game itself. Um, it's, and even Eugenie Lewis. I mean, he's the one that got, the, that got our only touchdown. Now, how about that touchdown? I mean, you talk about Chris Williams being targeted the most, and he seems to really develop a connection with Drew Willie, which was nice to see. Yeah. And I couldn't help but think that Chris Williams, too, was just a little bit motivated, having been traded from the Lions to the Alouettes in the offseason. So I think there was a little part of him that kind of wanted to show BC that, hey, maybe you gave up on me a little too quickly. So I, I like that. I like that kind of fire. I like that kind of intensity. But, wow, what a... What a way for Eugene Lewis to score his first touchdown. And let's let's not make any bones about this, folks. Eugene Lewis is no stranger to wacky plays in the Canadian Football yeah. League, even yeah. though his career in the in CFL has been very brief. He has been a part of, I'd say, two of the most, uh, shall we say, interesting plays mm-hmm. in in the Canadian Football League. Yeah, and it so happened to be one last year, one this year. and. <laughs> Uh, for those of you who don't know what we're talking about, uh, last year in uh, Winnipeg, uh, Eugene Lewis took a pass from Darian Durant, uh, got the first down, and was moving quite nicely until he had the ball punched out of his hands by Taylor Loeffler. Uh, instead of the ball, well, the ball took a couple of funny bounces, and instead of bouncing out of bounds, most people would try to swat the ball if or, in order to retain possession of it for whatever reason. I don't know, maybe his presence of mind or whatnot, but Eugene actually knocked the ball and kept it inbounds, and it just sort of lay there until B.J. Cunningham actually picked it up and nearly, nearly took it to the house yep. for a touchdown. Yeah, it was just one of, like if you go on YouTube, you'll be able to find it. It's just one of those wacky plays that you're like, "What the hell is this?" And you can almost say like, "Well, only in the CFL you'll see stuff like that." So this past Saturday, uh, Chris Williams hauled in a monster pass from Drew Willie, and I swear to God, I'm not making this up held in a beautiful pass just about to cross the goal line fumbles the ball it was punched and out punched out yeah he, 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 he went 56 yards on that one or, or 56 right, yeah. and a 56 and a half <laughs> and a half yes <laughs> but yeah ball ball gets punched out uh once again just sort of laying there and eugene lewis johnny on the spot was able to scoop it up and uh that's how you get your first cfl touchdown well hey congratulations man at least you get that first one and hopefully there'll be many more to come for this uh, exciting young man so from, from what you saw with the stats and, and whatnot um what's your take because I, I look at that it's dry i i don't think they went to cunningham enough in the first first half um we talked about it before when it comes to running it at for the Alouettes, it just seems to be, you know, the more things change, the more things stay the same. And you, you abandon your rush in the second half, not completely, but Sutton had 10 rushes in the first half, uh, 10 attempts in the first half, five in the second, only five in the second. And we're not talking like we were down by 20. We weren't down by 20. Why do you think the team abandoned it so early when they had, you know, Sutton was, Sutton was a madman in the first half. Absolutely was. He was just phenomenal. And 
again, this is one of the things that I've been talking about for quite some time now. And this is why I was really excited during the preseason because I really looked like Kahari Jones really wanted to get Sutton more involved in the offense. And I am all for that because, again, th- this guy is one of the premier running backs of the Canadian Football League. Uh, you've got a Tyrell Sutton on your in your lineup. You've got to put him to use. This is your workhorse. This is the guy that is going to chew up yards and get the ball downfield. If you're, especially too, like if you're not sure if Drew Willie's going to be able to complete those passes, which we were, again, I keep telling you, during the preseason, we had no idea that Drew Willie had this deep ball in him. Uh, and if, if you're not sure, if you're not certain that your your quarterback's going to have any sort of chemistry with your receivers right away, then the best thing to do is just hand the ball off to your running back and just let him plow through the line and get those get those yards and Sutton can do that all day long without even thinking about it so why would you uh, run away from this strategy pardon the pun uh, in the second half I, I just simply doesn't make sense if again if I was in the media scrum that's the first thing I would have asked uh, Kahari Jones and Mike Sherman is why did you abandon the run after seeing how well it worked was Sutton injured were you just not confident in the results was you know, did you not think to make any halftime adjustments or thinking maybe that BC did and were well a lot more prepared for them? I, I wish I had the answers for that for you, for you folks. But uh, yeah, I, to me, it, it's just baffling because Sutton was a beast out there and I just can't understand why if nothing else works, go to that as opposed to your quarterback making mistakes and throwing interceptions and just nothing else working as a result. I mean, at that point, Playing scared and playing not to lose, which is always a recipe for disaster in the Canadian Football League. And Montreal, unfortunately, followed that recipe to the T. So, again, I, I always like to say that the first regular season game, whether you win or lose, you have to sort of treat it like an extra preseason game. It's all about getting those jitters yeah. out of the way. Yeah. It's all about establishing that chemistry and just hopefully at this point you, you learn some lessons and you go forward with it. So I'm really hoping that's really, that really was the case and what better place for that to happen out in BC because your, your expectations for that game are so low. Anyways, you don't even have to worry about trying to impress anybody. Just, just go out there and play a game. Don't get hurt. And just, if you come away with a victory so much the better, but uh, just treat it as a learning experience. And I really want to believe that that's what this coaching staff staff has done with this particular game. And, Hopefully the rest going forward will be just a little bit better. Now we're talking about things that look like it made a difference in the game besides obviously the ill-timed interception by uh, by Drew Willey. Um, there also seemed to be an issue, uh, I think, in, in kicking, and not necessarily the, the field goal kicking, but in the punting itself, Cliff. Um, you know, even though you, you look at the stats for, for Boris Bede, uh, he was he had nine punts, three hundred and seventy eight yards, a forty two net average, which is crazy. Uh, sorry, an average of forty two, but a net of thirty one point eight. The issue was there were two penalties on two of those punts, which really did hurt the Owls. And they happened to be on those ones where the they went out of bounds in the air before the forty. Ugh. Yeah, and it, it hurt the Owls on on, a, on those two occasions, which it did. Now, but you would think that it would be he, he would have been able to do something to, to make a correction and not for it to happen. You know, once okay, I can get, but twice. I and he, summarily is indoors, yes, but I mean we do know the roof was open in BC plays, huh? but still, um, what ha- I mean, it, yes, it's game one again, but 
you know, we saw saw a few little little you know chinks in the in the in the in the chain in the preseason game too. Mm-hmm. So that has to be. I I think that would have to be corrected also, right? Oh, there's no question. I mean. Boris Bidet has been very fortunate to be in the, the situation that he is in here in Montreal. I mean, he's the Elvis have brought kickers in as quote unquote competition, but I think there's always still that sort of thought that, well, this is his job, and barring injury, he's going to be our kicker slash punter no matter what. Right. And I, I, I hate to use the term complacent when it comes to Boris Bidet, but I mean his. Uh, as we, as we saw this past Saturday, like kicks like that are just, as far as I'm concerned, inexcusable because I, I really don't see too many other kickers out there struggling to that degree. And I hate to think that the reason why Bidet hasn't been able to connect and really establish himself much better than what he has, I can't help but wonder if it's because he knew that, okay, fine, they're going to they're gonna bring in other kickers to challenge me, quote unquote. But at the end of the day, I know this is my job. And it's not going anywhere. So I, I it, it's you kind would, of frustrating. Yeah, but you think what, what they did with him last year? He would think he would think right away. We we saw what they did last year. Mm-hmm. You know, he started. They felt that there was an issue. They benched him summarily, whether he was on the sixth game or whatever. Brought in a new kicker. You know, look how many times the kickers have changed this year in the in, uh, you know just in the off season in the CFL. Mm-hmm. So. It, it it can be a concern considering that at, at the moment that it's very you know those his punts equaling penalties they equaled points for BC if I'm not mistaken on both those punts absolutely so and again what, to to give your competition better field position too just doesn't bode well and there's again like it's not Bidet is a raw rookie in the league he's been around for a couple of years he knows what's going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's been kicking for a long time too, like in college, in university, and and in the Canadian Football League. Like, and again, he's even gotten to NFL tryouts. So, I mean, the guy knows what he's doing with the football when it comes to kicking. There should be no question about that whatsoever. Uh, it's just frustrating, though. Like, especially like with special teams, with a new special teams coach, and trying to establish that uh, that rhythm that you want. It, it makes for a very frustrating experience. And again, Bidet's not doing himself any favors with kicks like this and just not setting up that field position and taking penalties as a result. I believe there was also a delay of game penalty as well that he took as well against BC. Uh, just m- mistakes like that. Like you can sort of forgive if this guy was truly a rookie and I know he's a young man still, but I mean, like he's at that stage now where like, you know, where you know how this, this isn't your first rodeo, you know, what's going on here in, in the Canadian football league. You got to get it together. And I sincerely, sincerely hope that going forward, he does get better because, quite frankly, I don't see Alouettes trying to make any sort of transition. I don't see them going out and trying to establish another kicker for themselves. Like uh, to have like a kicker slash punter situation, it'll always be one guy doing both duties for the Alouettes for until the cows come home, essentially. So, I, I really hope that Bidet just gets his act together and just be better. Really, at the end of the day, like that's that's not too much to ask, as far as I'm concerned. Now, I think sometimes you do need to, to, to put the fear of God into some of these players. Um, maybe he does need to have a short, a sh- you know, a short leash. Um, we'll see what happens. Like I said, it's only game one. Things can get better. I mean, he made his, his only field goal try. So, and he did do well punting, except for those two. Um, mm-hmm. 
you know that's that's the thing there's there's always room for improvement and i think that's uh, that's the biggest takeaway is you're already behind the eight ball with a lot of things and i like the guy myself i think he's he's a, a solid dude but i mean like just mistakes like that combined with all the other stuff that's going on with the offense and everything else that was going on on the field it's like don't don't make things easier for your opponents that's all i have to say is just try to help your team out don't hinder their team mm-hmm. no i agree i mean there were some positives to come out of this i mean the, again the alouettes yeah only scoring 10 points but still the defense did well consider you know they only gave up the, i think it was two touchdowns uh one was a no-brainer and you know the other one was uh i think it was a good play by bc um, I think one of the big positives that you can come across, uh, take out of this also too, Cliff, is for the first time since August 2017 versus Toronto at home, the Alouettes had a lead at halftime. Yep, just a, a one-point lead, but a lead nonetheless. So, I mean, that, w- that was definitely encouraging. Like, like I said, just watching the comments on social media throughout the game, like a lot of people were stunned, quite frankly. They're like, wow, maybe Montreal isn't as bad as everybody thinks thinks they are or maybe bc is as bad as what people expect yeah, it, to be. Yeah, it was either one way or the other on, on those comments but it's you know considering with you know the two worst teams in the cfl last year you know i think a lot of people keep forgetting too how hamilton started and how they finished mm-hmm. um yeah i think it's just a matter of what again it, it was a positive we just need to build on it we got we got winnipeg coming into town this week which we'll talk about a little bit later um but you know, all in all, again, we I didn't think of turning off the TV once, <laughs> you know, because we were in BC, uh, you know, and my my self-imposed banning banishment from watching these games. But um, I, 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 I took it all in stride. I took it all in stride. And, you know, it, it's BC's out of the way. That's that's the thing. It could be a lot worse. Look, look at how look at some of the schedules that some of the other Eastern teams are going through over the next three, four to six weeks. Oh my goodness! So just Hamilton right away going out to play in Calgary. They they're at least being smart and staying out there because they're going to have to go play in Edmonton this week. Uh, they've got a, a bit of a rough go of it as well. And let's not forget, like even though Hamilton finished relatively strong last year, all things considered, they too were unfortunately uh, one of the the lesser the the have not teams, if you will, of the Canadian Football League. Mm-hmm. And I know that they they even played a very strong competitive game against Calgary, and we're actually leading out a couple of points uh, throughout the game. So Hamilton is one of those teams that I, I know everybody's focusing on Johnny, Johnny Manziel and the fact that even like some American people were bitching about the fact that they stayed up and had to watch a Canadian football league game. Cause they wanted to see Johnny Manziel play. And he just stayed, stayed on the bench the whole time. Like, well, that's football for you, man. That's yeah, for just... Christ's sake. I mean, it's, <laughs> you know, it, it is what it is, but it's, you know, again with the Alouettes game two, you know, game one's in the books. Right? We don't have to worry about BC at home uh, in BC. So, hey, just positive. Just positive. Take a positive, positive look. Positive look. <laughs> That's what I'm trying to do. Yep. Just keep keep repeating it, Tim. Keep repeating it. Positive look. Positive look. Positive look. <laughs> <laughs> no, but like I said, if you truly, like I said, take this game as essentially another preseason game. Work out some of the kinks that you saw. Obviously, things didn't go the way you wanted them to. You have to see where the mistakes were made and just correct them. And I think yeah. as long as you're doing that as a football team and you, you, you're you focusing on getting better, I think things will be just fine. To tell you the truth, I look at this LOS team. I look at the effort that was put forth overall. You take it into consideration the good, the bad, and the ugly. It wasn't a perfect outing. There's no question they about that. They but really didn't look bad. That's the they thing. They didn't. They really did not look bad. 
except for the except for the the ill-timed interception by by Willie. They really did not look bad. It's just there was no, some, could, there was some ugly. There was some good. I mean, but sorry, I interrupted. What were you saying? I was going to say, like, if you take away that fourth quarter, I think the Alouettes played a very solid, if unspectacular, game, and that's not a bad thing. Like at the end of the day, a win's a win. So. If Montreal were able to play the way they did in that first quarter for all four quarters, this would have been a dominant win. If they played the way that they did for the first three quarters, it would have been a tight defensive battle, probably a, a very boring game, but still a win. It really was just that fourth quarter, or like I said, everything just sort of just fell apart. Like they just forgot what the game plan was and just decided to wing it, and it just ah, it didn't end well. No pun intended. Huh? Huh? Ah, see what you did there. <laughs> Yeah, two is your game. <laughs> That's hilarious. Um, speaking of wings and two is your game and, and stuff like that, a few more things to talk about. Um, the Owls this week, uh, as they had promised, they were going to go ahead and release, uh, wear a, a, a different era helmet for the for the first three months of the season. And they, rele- they unveiled game day their game day helmet with the, the infamous red wing um i think it actually looked pretty good considering the i did they you think they matched it to their current their current red i i'm wondering because you know what with them wearing it and what they're gonna be wearing next, at home this week you know the regular home yeah you know, their their regular home uniforms you know it, it makes me wonder because I, I don't know did they actually match it uh, to, to the actual maroon or is it i can't i really couldn't tell I couldn't tell either. I, I there's a couple of photos I've seen online that looks like it, it was more maroon than red, like a bright instead of a bright red, it was more the maroon that you see the Alouettes, uh, that is the actual Alouettes red, if you will. Right. So I, it kind of looks like it was matched, but then once in a while you'd catch a light on a certain angle and it was that bright red again. So maybe it didn't quite match. But uh, I, I personally think the more I looked at it, I thought at first glance I'm like, okay, this this actually looks kind of cool. But then. The more I looked, I'm like, you know what? If the Alouettes would just do like a blue outline of the winged logo to sort of, uh, I, I'm a, uh, I wouldn't say necessarily modernize it, but just to sort of complement the look of their current uniform. Well, another thing that we're going to talk about in a couple of minutes, I see your point, and they maybe they're looking at different things, but I I think that the, 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 way, the way they're going with all this stuff this year, I, I think it's a great idea with the whole uh, whole. Uh, looking at the at the history of the team and stuff like that, and and you know, as I said, once we see, because my question will be, Cliff, is when they come out with the next helmets, the one with the the French horn logo, uh, that that green. If they do put green, it's really gonna clash. You know, if they have the, the green the green hel- stripes on the helmet, it's, they're they're really gonna clash with the current current uniforms. Hmm. And uh, actually, just see someone online recently kind of give it a bit of an updated look with the blue and i gotta tell you it looked sharp oh I mean, yeah i'm talking i'm talking really sharp i'll retweet it for you guys yeah, later please, yeah yeah i want to see it too because actually it's one i didn't see i'm curious to see it because I, I gotta admit like I, I i think the french horn logo as they call it it, it looks kind of neat like i think it would be a very cool look but as you said because the 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 team of that area was actually wearing green uniforms uh-huh. believe it or not uh-huh I think you're right. If you were to put that particular logo with the green on it, it would just look off. It would look really, really weird. But if you were to update it and just sort of give it a bit of a, 
a newer, a kind of a refreshed look with the blue, like what this person did. And clearly it was a Photoshop job, but what, the way they did it looked really, really cool. So I'll, I'll throw it out there for you guys to see later on. But uh, I, I would say if the Alberts were to do something like that, I think that would be very, very cool. It would still pay homage to the past, like which is what their their whole motive is for this year, is the whole uh, going back to their roots and everything like that and earning your wings and all that stuff. You would still be paying homage to that and to that particular era, but also to sort of bring it into the 21st century with a like a, a fresh take on it. And I think that would be something that if again the, the the equipment people and the marketing people, if they were to take full advantage of something like that, I still think it would be a very cool thing that it would really connect the fans of the past with today's fans as well. I think it would be a, a fantastic endeavor, and I sincerely hope that the team looks into something like that. Funny you mentioned that, Cliff. There uh, was an announcement uh, earlier this week where the Adidas is not going to be the uh, the uniform provider anymore for the for the CFL. Um, so it looks like there may be some changes. Cause I remember the whole pomp and circumstance that the league went through. I mean, I was there. And uh, for the last announcement uh, for, for the changeover and the new de- quote unquote new designs or, or whatever it was, but you know, you mentioned before, it looks like maybe there can be some changes coming up. Mm-hmm. And I can't help but wonder if this is sort of a testing ground, if you will, for the Alouettes uh, organization to maybe go in a different direction or even go back to an old direction. Let's not forget Winnipeg for the longest time had the Lightning Bolt W as their logo for the longest time. And I think it still is technically their logo. But then the cry out for going back to the retro look with the uh, the Block W on their uh-huh. helmets and then the Royal Blue uh, uniforms uh, – and that's worked out pretty well for them. So I can't help but wonder. I'm sure a lot of people would be thrilled if the Alouettes were to go back to one of their older uniforms. Let's not forget the the winged helmets that you're seeing right now for the month of June as part of this whole uh, Earn Your Wings uh, campaign. Uh, th- those red uniforms from the 60s, like a lot of people really absolutely love them when the Alouettes played the, uh, I think it was the Rough Riders in 2009 uh, out in the Mose- at uh, Old Mosaic Stadium. They played in those uh, classic uniforms, and everybody loved them. And then when they came out with the Delta logo era uniforms, like the uh, in the seventies, when they brought those in for two thousand ten, everybody loved those uniforms too. I think the general consensus is: Do fans really like the current look of the Alouettes? And I think a lot of people are like, "No, not really." So why don't we go back to what used to work? So I can't help but wonder with uh, Adidas now pulling out. I can't help wonder if. Uh, Depending on who the uh, the, the next uh, ath- uh, provider, the next uniform prov- yeah. Depending on who the next uh, uniform provider is, yeah. perhaps this is the opportunity that the Alouettes have been looking for to, I guess, decide. Okay, which look do we want to go with going forward? Do we want to go back to those uh, back to our roots with some of these designs, or do we want to go forward with something else altogether? So, I guess we'll see as the. Uh, as the year goes, but uh, I, I imagine jersey sales are going to drop now because uh, nobody wants to buy a jersey that uh, will be more or less obsolete in a year's time. So it's very possible because I know that there is a you know just like with the NFL with the CFL there it's a multi- multiple year process, um, and it makes me wonder that if Patrick Boava had decided to do a change uh, and they had to wait, maybe this is giving them the opportunity to go ahead and make that change and make that modification, and make the other because, you know, I, I look. You know, there is a way that the Alouettes can do this where it will look good. I mean, look what the Blue Jays did. You know, the, you know, 
how they were able to make a modern Blue Jays logo, but yet they were also to bring in a hell of a lot of elements from what everybody loved from one of the best looks that the team ever wore. Mm-hmm. So it, it you could just you know bring back something back, update it a little bit. I mean maybe, maybe update the update the Delta logo, uh, put wings. I I don't know. I don't know. I, it's it's there can go many many different directions and it seems from what it looks like cliff that the the owls may be maybe sticking with the with the white helmets which i have no problem with i really mm-hmm. have no problem with them sticking with the white helmets yep it's a, a nice clean look which is always welcome and uh i guess maybe that's how you have to sort of take this whole earn your wings campaign is maybe it's just like a big big focus group as to see we'll try out some different looks and let's see how the fans react to it see if they like it we'll see what they like see what they don't like and as a result and it just so happens that hey we've got a new uniform provider coming in uh work with them and see if uh, maybe we can come up with something uh, a whole new look a whole new identity for the alouettes that will really stand out Maybe pay homage to the past while looking towards the future. Uh, like you said, with the Blue Jays, for example, how they managed to incorporate the past into the new. Uh, I don't know. It, maybe this, maybe they say everything happens for a reason. I can't help but wonder if this whole earn your wings thing and these homages to the past are just a way to sort of get fans thinking about a possible complete rebranding altogether of the Alouettes. Um, I don't know. I, I it really makes you wonder. Yeah, I, I, I am. I I would hope that you know I would love to be a part of this type of focus group too. Uh, get get the fans involved in that type of thing if they are going to go with a a major redesign. Um, if you were to choose a company, because there there are a lot of other companies. By the way, people keep forgetting that Adidas is Adidas is a division of Reebok. Yep. So I don't see them going back to Reebok if Adidas is backing out. Mm-hmm. Who, because we've seen so many things in 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 college basketball, uh, college, college sports, uh, pro sports. Um, who would you want to be the next provider, and who would you not want to be the next provider? I mean, there aren't there aren't many left, but I mean, it's what what, what would you think? Mm. Well, uh, you remember when Adidas uh, did the redesign of the logos that you were talking about a couple of years ago? I do remember. Uh, one SJ Green being very disappointed that Nike wasn't one of the uh, the the providers for athletic gear for the uh, Canadian Football League because right. he abs- he's a big Nike guy. So I-, I often wonder, like especially with the NFL being uh, a-, a Nike brand, I-, I would be curious to see how Nike would look with uh, the CFL jerseys and how they would uh, do that. But honestly, I think Under Armour would probably be my choice because. They definitely put together some really cool, really sharp looks in the NCAA for their for a lot of the football teams there. Right. I could definitely see Under Armour taking the Canadian football look and sort of, uh, I don't want to say modernize, but sort of give just, I guess, help it evolve a little bit. Like help it uh, be a little bit more relevant looking because there's a, a very stylized look to the current itineration of logos and uh, uniforms here in the Canadian Football League. And if anyone is able to sort of tweak it and make it just pop up just a little bit more, it would be Under Armour for me. Uh, I'm seeing some rumors about uh, Puma coming back and possibly being a, a, a provider for the, uh, the uniforms. And Interesting. Yeah, that's how I would describe it. I mean, Puma yeah. hasn't really been relevant in a long time, so no, I think that'd be, no. uh, that'd be interesting. Uh, 
yeah, I I think if you if you couldn't go Nike and you couldn't go Under Armour, gosh, uh, I don't know. You'd have to go elsewhere, to be honest with you. But uh, I, I think I would want to stay away from Nike, considering you've seen some of the monstrosities. Some people like them, but some people look at some of the monstrosities that they've created for the NFL. You know? True. Yeah, it's like, no, you need to stick with, you know, and do you really want to do a one-off? Um, yeah, some of those color rush uniforms they use are pretty hideous. Yeah. I, I'm not going to lie. Yeah. <laughs> Seattle. Yeah. But, uh, but you, I, I th- would think Under Armour too, but then again, they, they just backed out of the Major League Baseball uh, contract that they had signed because mm-hmm. they were supposed to be the new provider in 2020, but they backed out and Nike took over. Um, I, I would think them, I know that, I think, I know the arena league uses Under Armour. There are some major colleges that used Under Armour. Um, the other one is really Russell Athletic, but Russell Athletic, I do know Russell Athletic has some, when it comes to the, to their current styles, they're limited. Mm-hmm. So it just depends on how, how much of a change do you want? So, that, and that's it. Like, I understand, like, especially CFL fans are very reluctant to change. So I, I get that, but... That's what I mean. Like when I say change, though, I don't mean like a complete overhaul right, of right, all right. the uniforms. Right. But as I said, like an evolution. I mean, Montreal, I could see going through a change in the sense because they've had the look that they've had now for, for many, many years. Yeah, yeah. And perhaps the change is well overdue for them, too. Uh, the other teams, I don't see a whole lot of issues with their uniforms and and how they look. Uh but again, like I definitely see a, a little bit of an evolution happening there as well. So, it's, but again, a lot of it really does depend on who will ultimately be the uh, the provider for them. So yeah. that's why I figure if you go with Under Armour, though, because like I said, they they do a lot of good stuff, especially with the Arena League, which I think their the uniforms there for the most part look pretty sharp. Uh, NCAA, their stuff looks pretty on point. So I would feel very comfortable saying Under Armour. Uh, the other companies, though, I just. They're just too much of a wild card for me. And right. I guess Nike would be the hope, especially for the players. I guarantee if you ask, take any random 10 CFL players, they'd probably tell you Nike all day. But uh, yeah. Yeah. even that might be uh, a, a pipe dream if, as far as uh, a jersey provider goes. Yeah, I'm, I'm curious to see. I'm curious to see what they do. But again, I'd be happy with a reimagining of, a, of, of one of the former Alouette logos, the Delta or, or the, the French horn bird. And and going with that because I because as you as you've seen and again like I'm gonna go back to the Jays the Jays were able to do something correct you know they went from one of their hideous looks with the, with the just the Jays with in, in black and blue or hardly any blue any blue and, and you're blue and you're a blue Jay you're not just not the Jays yeah so um, more a- along the other things too that came up this week. And this was one of a head scratcher, and that was the exact hashtag that I used when I happened to see this one. This this new four four I guess I think fourth quarter is there four Q. What is it? What is it called specifically here? I had it up. Uh, four Q the four Q ticket starting at only ten bucks, Cliff. And this is this is how they how they how they're promoting it. What what's better than the last decisive minutes of a football game? If you can't attend the an entire game. Get your Q4 tickets starting at only $10 or $8 and be in the stands to see the outcome. And writing it that way seems really, really weird. First of all, once you put $8 to $10, anyways, that's, so basically what you do, Cliff, is you, if you, is you register, you go to the page and you register. By the way, which don't seem to be, I don't see that really anywhere available on the website. I just happened to have the tweet that they had sent out. 
So you register, and 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 if the thing is saying if Q4 tickets are available, you will receive notification by email 72 hours prior to kickoff. When you receive the email, click the link, see see what categories are available, and then you pick up your ticket you purchased online at the stadium box office on game day. Uh, okay, okay. You can also purchase your ticket at the stadium. Oh wait, a minute, what? Pick up this. Uh, oh, purchase online at the stadium ticket, or you can also purchase a ticket, your ticket at the stadium on game day upon availability. Your ticket will will be valid starting in the third quarter. What, what, what? <laughs> what? Uh, the, the purchase of the ticket guarantees a seat, first come, first served. Again, what? <laughs> I, don't, so, I don't really don't understand. So I, let, me get the, let, let, me, let me understand this, and I, I can be a little slow sometimes. So let me just recap this really quickly. The whole promotion is... You're trying to sell the excitement of the last few minutes of a football game. And I, I, I imagine they're promoting this with the idea that hopefully the Alouettes will be in some very tight, close games, whether they're winning or losing. Yeah. And maybe you can't make it for the whole game for whatever reason. So you come in and you're wanting to catch the hopefully exciting conclusion of an Alouettes game. But you're allowed to come in on the in the third quarter. And with the hopes that this is still going to be a competitive matchup, and they essentially want to charge you ten bucks for the privilege of watching the last little bits of a football game, and in doing so makes it uh, well either you you roll on up to the stadium or you can buy in advance. So you're yeah, almost gambling. It's like you're, what? You're you're essentially gambling that this game could be good or could be really bad, but. Maybe I don't want to catch all of it. Like this, you you put it best. This is very much a head scratcher. I'd even go so far as to say, what the hell are you thinking? Like this is. I don't get this because they have so many other ticket opportunities where you can buy a ticket for twenty two bucks and see the entire game. See, and I, I I have to applaud the Alouettes for a lot of their initiatives this past off season. Like some of the things that they're doing in order to attract the fans, they're trying to get people back to Percival Wilson Stadium. I got to take my hat off to them for doing so. They're they're trying different things, and it may work, it may not. We won't know until essentially this season is over with whether the things like the all you can eat uh, ticket section or the, the the fan support section or any of these other things, whether or not these are going to work, we won't know until the season is over and done with. But to come out with a promotion like this, uh, just to. It, in order to sell, like when you when you're trying to sell tickets and you're starting at twenty two dollars a game, if people aren't buying into those, I just don't see them making that much of an effort to 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 get tickets for ten dollars and essentially be in theory promised only one quarter football. Yeah. And now you're saying that now you're saying it might be you know could be two now two. could be two yeah it could be two and a could be one and a half could be like, I, this is just I, a, yeah I don't get it <laughs> I, I don't get this promotion. It's baffling to say the least. I'm trying to be, uh, I'm I'm trying to understand this, and uh, I, I I I don't know. <laughs> I, maybe it's because we we love football and we want to be there for the whole thing. Like the idea of just going to see half the game. Uh, I mean, what 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 do you do if they're down by thirty? Like, are you still going to make that effort to go even I if you buy your tickets in advance? You may not go against. Uh, sorry, honey, honey. Uh, sorry, honey. I'm going out. I'm going to go get some milk, and I'm going to go watch the last half of the Alouettes game at the stadium. I'll be back. Yeah, like, <laughs> I don't get it. I, like, I really don't get it. Like, who? Uh, I just don't see the market for this. Quite frankly, I, I mean, if you can't get, if someone's not excited by the prospect of seeing 
uh, a, a good football game or god forbid a bad football game or just to see a football game period if you're not enticed at $22 all of a sudden you're going to be enticed for $10 to watch essentially half the game i i personally don't get it okay, this one i don't get and, and please anybody with the alouettes you want to explain this more please you know, please contact us uh whether it be through twitter or uh through our facebook page you know uh anything or, or if you want to contact us directly, alouettspodcast at gmail.com, uh, or directly, you know, Cliffy at Cliffy D at, on Twitter, or me at uh, Repact. I mean, something. I, 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 I just don't get this. I don't get this. I, I really don't. And, and this, one's, this one's a head-scratcher, dude. <laughs> um, and, of course, uh, social media, as, as they tend to do, gets a hold of uh, this information and is, of course, having... Yet another field day at the expense of the Alouettes. Uh, yeah, again, a lot of my friends in the U.S. They're like they agreed with me. They're, they're like WTF, man. You know. Yeah, like like uh, facepalm. I mean, it's like what the hell. On a like, positive note, on a positive note, the Alouettes announced their uh, their season ticket member uh, day, which will be on the fourteenth of July. Uh, it's in, it's during a bye week. And every season ticket holder can bring themselves and up to four people. And Cliffy D, well, as far as I know, you're you're one of them. Woot, <laughs> woot, woot. Exactly. And seriously, folks, if you get a chance, if you've got people, if you're not a season ticket holder and you know season ticket holders, this is a great opportunity to get to meet the team, get to get to finally see these guys up close and personal. Uh, this is the, every year they have this event. It's a great event, and I strongly suggest if you get the chance to go and check it out, you're doing you're doing yourself a terrible disservice by not checking this out because it is definitely one of the good events that the Elwes puts on every year. Uh, I said best chance to meet the players, to get their autographs, take pictures with them, just as or even just sit and talk about football itself. I mean, these guys come. It's a great atmosphere. Like I said, during a bye week too, so there's no pressure. There's no just finished, you know, winning or losing a game or having to prepare for a certain opponent. It's it's a really great uh, chance to just get to know your team just a little bit better. So if you get the chance to participate, by all means, do so. Yeah, yeah. And before we talk about this week's game, one one just quick note. Uh, holy crap, dude! That streaker got got blown up. <laughs> he got leveled. <laughs> Oh man, it's funny because you don't see it on TV, obviously. Because no, but it went social. Yes, there's so many people here at the game that that po- post the thing. If anybody doesn't know what I'm talking about, th- there's a streaker that came out second quarter, something like that, during the game, and you you could tell once he got hit because of the reaction of the crowd, and then the stuff came out on social media and multiple angles on social media. The, mm. the dude got leveled. It's funny, and then in today's paper, by the way, it was announced that the guy got fined 115 bucks. Well, and uh, banned from BC Place for a year, if I'm I was not about mistaken. Saying banned from BC Place, yeah. So and, and, that'll learn him. And this wasn't this wasn't even in the I think in the second half. This dude does this. What I don't understand is like he like you call we call him a streaker for lack of a better term lack because better technically term. technically that's what they're known as. But all this guy did was just take off his pants and run. Like the I, I, I don't get, get it and, myself. And and he had his BC BC Lions jersey, and so. I mean, on top of that, and then he gets—he just gets—he gets leveled. Oh yeah, Marcel Young, uh, the BC Lions just saw this dude and just flat out trucked him. And it was picked up by everything. I think from Yahoo to the uh, Deadspin picked this up. I, I'm sure I oh, lo- they did. Yeah, yeah, Deadspin. I mean, it's 
Yeah, you you know you've made it when. <laughs> yeah, when Deadspin picks you up, exactly. Yeah, it's, yeah. yeah so, oh, that, uh, that old quirky CFL. Um, yep. Yeah. So home opener, Cliff. Home opener is versus the the the, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Uh, Blue Bombers come in after a, a, a basically a long, heartbreaking loss um, to to the Edmonton Eskimos, and they come in with a, a pure rookie quarterback directly out of college. Doing something that I'm sure you, for all anybody who's who's been watching the CFL knows this, but it's something that hadn't been done since Cavio did it back in, in 1994, uh, starting with the Las uh, with the Las Vegas Posse. Yeah, with the Las Vegas Posse. <laughs> um, so looking at this team, does I, I don't want to look at it this way. I mean, the Owls showed some brilliance in the first quarter. The Bombers quarterback did show some. He showed he showed some moxie. Uh, Streveler, 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 Streveler. Yes, he, he showed some moxie. I mean, from what he, what he went, uh, one seventy eight and three and two. Um, how how does this how does this game bode for for the Owls coming in? Well, they're playing in front of their hometown fans. So I mean, if you can't get jacked up for that, then what the hell are you even doing out there? Mm-hmm. Uh, I think a, what has to be an advantage for Montreal is the fact that Matt Nichols is not playing in this game. Uh, they said you're now dealing with this uh, young quarterback, Chris Streveler, who, as you said, did not look. I mean, he definitely, like you said, showed some moxie. He definitely looked. He looked like a gamer. Looked like he wasn't too blown up by the whole moment. I, I can't help but wonder if a lot of that had to do with the delays. This sort of, he didn't have a chance to think too much or overthink a whole lot of things. So maybe that kind of played into, uh, like how he approached the game. Uh, it's going to be interesting though, because now it's one thing to be playing your first CFL game at home in front of your hometown fans yeah, and yeah. in a relatively comfortable environment. Whereas now you're going into potentially hostile territory. Cause let's not forget, no matter what you say about the Alouettes and how they do things, if the stadium is full and the fans are into it, it's a very, very intense place to play. And intimidating, intimidating. Yeah. And I, for, for a youngster that it can go one of two ways. You either let the moment swallow you up or Sometimes you just don't know any better and you don't even think about it. So I guess that'll be the big key is how is Chris Strebler going to handle his first road game in the Canadian Football League going into what might be uh, a hostile environment and uh, to see how this uh, young man does. Uh, one thing that's going to help him, though, is having Andrew Harris in the backfield. Uh, as much as we have love all day long for Tyrell Sutton, uh you can't help but uh, feel good about a guy like Andrew Harris succeeding the way he does, and he is definitely, definitely a beast for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. He was somewhat held in check though last week. I mean, sure, he had 14 receptions, 77 yards, but it, I, I think it, a, a game straight through it makes me wonder how much momentum that they will have. Um, you know, this is you know the, the Alouettes are facing the Blue Bombers for the first time since that heartbreaking game. Uh, that went into overtime last year at home. It was the second game of their uh, their current twelve game losing streak, mm-hmm. uh, which unfortunately, by the way, is now tied for fifth fifth longest in CFL history. Um, it, it gives I think it bodes well that they might be able to to break this streak and to start things anew. Um, anything's anything's possible, dude. And that that's that's what I like about this because the team did look the team did look healthy healthy last week. It just certain things to said. It, it was week week uh, uh, preseason game three uh, uh, A B, <laughs> whatever, <you laughs> <want. laughs> whatever you want to call it. 
like I said, preseason game that just happens to count in the standings. Yeah, exactly. Now, even though we are taping on a Tuesday, the lines are already out for this game, Cliff. And um, I don't think I'm really surprised. I'm not really surprised at this at all. Uh, Montreal is a home dog, but it's they're only uh, an underdog by two points. Well, and again, this comes into the factor of how is Chris Drevler, quarterback for the Blue Bombers, going to perform? Uh, I, I think that will be key more than anything else is, as to how well he plays on the road versus in the, the comfortable environment like uh, Investors Group Field. And truthfully, you took a look at this Montreal team in the first half against BC, and this was a solid, if not unspectacular, football team. If they could just tweak things just a little bit and have a little bit more confidence in themselves right. and just the way they play, like the way they played that first half against the, the Lions was not terrible football by any stretch. So if you could do that against Winnipeg, who is, again, I'm, I'm telling you right now, is a sort of 50-50 as to how their quarterback's going to play on the road. We don't know yet. Like I said, there's a lot of variables here, and I can understand why the line would be a lot closer than, than what it would have been in had Matt Nichols been – uh, a healthy, uh, healthy, and in, in the lineup, I, like I said it, it definitely does play a factor in it. Yeah, and I definitely think it makes for just it just an interesting, uh, interesting look at how this game is going to be on Friday. I, I'm, I'm looking, yeah, I'm looking forward to see how it goes. Again, it's a home, home game. I'm, I'm hoping that the the Owls start off well. Uh, I mean, but finding out some of the some of the stuff today, it looks like that uh, Matt Schiltz is still going to be a little bit. He's still a little bit banged up uh, because we found out today that uh, it looks like uh, uh, Matthews is going to be our backup quarterback. But the only reason because Antonio Pipkin was released, uh, mm-hmm. supposedly according to Herb Zerkowski, that Pipkin was officially our backup quarterback last week. Yep. And also they, they released Carlisle, a guy who's on the practice roster who I thought had a pretty decent shot at being having a future with this team. But you made some comments earlier uh, on Twitter on why you why you thought that Carlisle was released. Hmm. Well, uh, the Alouettes were very smart this year in picking up a good national running back in Ryder Stone, uh, who has just been phenomenal throughout training camp. And uh, we even got to see him returning some kicks against the BC Lions this past Saturday. I, I think that strong play, the fact that he's a national player, uh, he's cut from the same cloth, I find, as Tyrell Sutton as far as his... Uh, his physique goes and everything. So I think that you definitely see a lot of potential there and a good young running back as well. Take a look at that. Not that uh, Amir Carlisle was an old man by any stretch, but, uh, <laughs> but just uh, you factor all those uh, things in with Ryder Stone as just how well he's played. And I think that was one of the reasons why it made uh, Carlisle, unfortunately expendable. Uh, didn't help too that uh, overall Carlisle had an okay training camp, but uh that we all forget. We all remember that uh, preseason game versus Ottawa. Uh, unfortunately, he was uh, uh, he had a fumble. He had a fumble as a result of being blown up by Ottawa's punter. So fumbling the ball as opposed to being uh, tackled by the punter uh, doesn't always bode well for you. And I think that he was going to come. I, I think that was going that that unfortunate incident kind of made him a little more self aware, and I think it, it made him better in the process overall. But. Uh, like I said, we take a look at Ryder Stone, and again, this is the Canadian Football League. So, no matter if you're going to be an American player in this right, league, right. you've got to be outstanding to beat out a national player. And as good as what Amir Carlisle shown he could be, Ryder Stone, I think, honestly, in his rookie camp, this rookie campaign of his, just 
that much better, just enough that he was able to make this decision a little bit more understandable as to why Carlisle was released. Like, you take a look at the two players, and I think Ryder Stone, his upside is a lot bigger, a lot stronger, and uh, yeah, it's unfortunate because Carlisle definitely seemed like he he was a gamer and wanted to be a part of this, but uh, at the end of the day, national players are always going to win out no matter what. What's your thought, though, on Pipkin being released? Because, yeah, sure, Matthews is now considered the, our backup, um, but uh, with Schultz in the one game... They, you know, them keeping them keeping Fugate on the practice roster. I don't get this. I mean, could this have been an option where they didn't want to be in the practice roster anymore? Because we know we we know players will say, you know what, I don't want to be on the practice roster anymore. Please release me. Mm-hmm. I I I actually thought Pipkin had to look a hell of a lot better than Fugate did. I mean, it, he looked horrible in that preseason game. I I, just, I I don't know. I mean, what what do you think that the rationale was behind that? I don't know if you've heard anything. About that. Well, uh, just from what I've seen of Pipkin in camp, like I mean, everything I've heard about the guy is like the potential is there. Like he's he's still a young man; he's only twenty four, if I'm not mistaken. So I mean, like, he still has a lot of football in him, as far as I'm concerned. I just I just found that everything I've seen of him was just okay at best and underwhelming at worst. Uh, I but, don't really but, feel but like versus he versus Fugate. Well, I, and again, I I would have loved to see more of Pipkin in the. Uh, the second preseason game or just see him period. But unfortunately he was injured as they say. Well, he actually, uh, remember he actually was. So I'm, it's funny you say that. Cause I'm wondering if this, this is more along of, of an injury that he may have. I just thought about that. Now, as soon as you said that it, it, a light bulb went off, it may, it may have something to do with an injury. Could be. And if that's the reason why he hasn't really taken the field or really done anything of note for the Alouettes, then yeah, that's uh and again, the fact that they had to bring in Jeff Matthews, Despite not having the best uh, overall look, uh, I mean, again, these are all things to consider. And it's unfortunate because I really was kind of high on Pipkin. And just hearing uh, Matt Schultz, when we interviewed him, talk about the work that he was putting in with uh, yeah. Pipkin, I really thought, okay, this could be, be the one-two punch that the Alouettes are going to need for the quarterback as far as the future goes. But uh, with Drew Willie playing, uh, I guess, solid football like he had been uh, and Schultz being injured I guess I thought this, is, this had to be the opportunity for Pipkin to really step up and prove his worth and it just never truly materialized at least not to any great degree so it's I'm curious to know about more about uh, about Schultz's, Schultz's injury mm-hmm. because you know Coach Sherman said he was hurt he tweaked something I- I'm curious to know where it is if they're going to stick with the upper body because yeah I'm, I, I, God forbid Drew Willie goes down. Because oh. we only have two, right now we only have two quarterbacks on our roster, at least currently. Mm-hmm. On the active roster. Active roster. Uh, and I'm just, I'm just going to throw this out there. Vernon Adams is still a viable option. I, I, I know for whatever reason. You're trying to turn him into a wide receiver. For, uh, I, uh, I don't get it, man. I, I, the guy is undefeated as a CFL starter. And you're just gonna let him die on the vine and let him be a receiver. I and again, I, I'm not, I'm not faulting Adams whatsoever. The guy comes in with a good attitude, no matter where he goes. He was beloved everywhere he's played. Yeah. For because the guy has just comes in with a great attitude. He's got a great work ethic, and it just hasn't really panned out as far as quarterback for him. Despite the fact that he's three and O as a CFL starter in Montreal, no less. Yep. Yep. But for whatever reason, I mean, Saskatchewan couldn't Saskatchewan couldn't find anything to do for with him. Hamilton 
can't seem to find anything to do with him other than tournaments with a receiver. It's just well, I mean, we uh, did, didn't we have a former quarterback bring back a pick six this past weekend? Yes, we did. Yeah, I mean, yes. <laughs> I, I, I guarantee you that was the selling point for uh, for uh, Hamilton to to tell Adams was that hey, and now put and in now, the work, and now Deron's going to play defense again this week. But yeah. but we're not a CFO. We're not a, a tire CFO. It's just yeah. Yeah, exactly. What do, what do we know? <laughs> wacky, wacky world of the CFL. <laughs> uh, if you haven't gotten your tickets, why not? Make sure you, if you, if you can, make sure you, you, you contact the Alouettes or go online and, and buy a ticket for the from the home opener. Supposedly they have a lot of new stuff. They got some, man, dude, they got some more. I don't know how they work because we were talking about this before. They got some new, uh, some new food trucks on the north and south concourses. Uh, I don't know how they're going to bring it on the South Concourse because because <laughs> how are they going to drive that damn thing in? I don't know how they're going to do that. Um, as a, as kids say, it's going to be tight, y'all. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be tight. Nice, nice. <laughs> and they got the new the new uh, video board supposedly in the other end zone, which is going to be interesting. Um, and some pretty nice merch. I will admit, uh, props to the guys and Cam over at the. Uh, over the uh, at the Alouettes uh, uh, Zone Rouge, and they got some pretty nice merch this year, especially some of the throwback stuff. Um, I'm I I, I got to get my wife to hide my credit card before I go to the game. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, you you, you want to come home with like three hundred dollars worth of swag? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So we'll we will be back next week. We got a lot to talk about, and you know uh, we know Cliff's heading off to Regina for the next home for the next game. We'll be able to talk about that and. Hopefully there will be a lot more to talk about, including the first win of the Alouettes. And let's break that streak. Let's start a new one. What do you think? Okay, Cliff. I agree. And folks, absolutely right. You, you get, If you're in Montreal, you got to come out to this game. you got to come support you. Even if you do buy these uh, 4Q tickets, whatever the hell they're going to call these stupid things, yeah. uh, just come out to the game for crying out loud. I mean, it's going to be a beautiful night. It's going to be football. It's going to be on TSN. It's going to be on ESPN2. That's the old theme. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Maybe the rec laws will show up. No, we have another group showing up. We, we didn't talk about that. I was looking forward to the rec laws, but they, because of the the weather, they didn't show. They didn't play. But well, maybe Thursday when the uh, I think it's when Edmonton comes into town. Uh, that's our, that's our Thursday night game. We maybe some, then we have somebody which I couldn't even name because I don't even know who, who the hell he is. Yeah, it's real. Who's that? A football? Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Or, I, or music? I, I should yeah, say. Like, who the hell is that? <laughs> yeah so no i agree with you i agree with you and don't forget by the way if you haven't happened to miss any of our past podcasts you there you can go ahead and check it out and the easiest way to do so is go to alouettesflightdeck.ca it's our new the new easiest way to access the entire 51 shows for the alouettes flight deck uh also reach out to us over on twitter at alouettes fl deck head over to facebook for our, our facebook page which is just look search for alouettes flight deck and you want to contact Cliffy or myself, we're on Twitter also, Cliffy, at Cliffy D. I am at Repact. Um, and if you do want to email us, email us at alouettespodcast at gmail.com. So, Cliff, I will see you in the stand, sir. Yes, indeed. Why one represent, baby? Yes, yes, yes. So, everybody here at the Alouettes Flight Deck for Cliffy D, I'm Tim Capper. We're on Final Approach. Take off! Thanks for listening. Find more great shows like this at CF Pod Network on Twitter.